for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. Side stories. That's when the cannibalism started. Side stories. Yes. Wow. It is it is just what what a great mood to be in to start a show. (laughs) All right, everyone. So today's episode of Side Stories, uh, this is the first time we're recording after hearing the devastating news of the passing of our good friend uh, Kevin Barnett. Um, so it's going to be a little bit uh, difficult, and um, so bear with us. I know that uh, you all loved him as well. Of course, uh, if you're a fan of the Roundtable of Gentlemen, uh, you are aware of how witty and incredibly uh, charming and just hilarious and what a great person he was. Um, and if you knew anything about his career, you know that this dude was just on a rocket ship, destined to be a very powerful person in show business. He worked really hard. Uh, He was genuine. He was the funniest dude in any room. Um, and yeah, he had not hit his whole life ahead of him. And he was, he was, uh, well, anyway, this is side stories. I'm Ben Kitzel. That's Henry Zabrowski. Side uh, stories. Side stories. Um, but you know, despite the fact that he co-created the hit show Rel and uh, friends of the people, and, uh, just was selling scripts left and right in Hollywood. Um, he still had time to show up and do Holden McNeely's stream. Uh, he Isn't never, he never changed. Um, he was always there. Um, whenever, you know, we would get together as much, as, as much as we possibly could. And he never changed. He only got better. Every conversation was, was better. Um, Nothing it's touched just, him. it's so rare. It's just so rare to have someone, as Henry just said, ascend so fast and then just never like seriously become a better person. It, and he was a great person to start with. He uh, had it, a, it's amazing. He had roommates still. He used to sit like on a fucking beanbag chair playing video games all day. And I was like, you are an incredibly successful dude. Kevin. <laughs> like you could do anything else. You get on. He's like, this is how I live my life. Simple. No possessions. Well, we and it's just like no possessions. <laughs> yeah. He's like Moby. Minus yes. the bad head of hair. Yes. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so, of course, yesterday we all kind of got together on our on our unique coast. And that was just the LPN family. There were there were groups of people all over the country uh, that were getting together and, and discussing their relationships with Kevin, because that's just how um, broad his his reach was. He, uh, I'm sure if you saw on social media, uh, just the amount of people commenting and, and having their own stories and pictures. That was the best part uh, of this whole thing, which is, I mean, there is no best part. There is no good part. There's the the lesson to be learned here is simply just being like, hug your friends, hug your dogs, do all this shit, like literally spend the time now because the time goes, the time goes. It's like, but so many 
funny ass stories right. come out talking about Kevin that you're just like you just like, forget that they, like man like it, it sounds like you're talking about Paul Bunyan it sounds like you're talking <laughs> about like some larger than life character and you're like no he did all this shit if you go back and listen to I remember someone brought up the story and I actually I don't know how I forgot about this because it's such a big part of Roundtable uh, for so long do you remember when Kevin used to say I can't get drunk on beer Oh yeah, and he of was course. Just, like so that sober was proven, as a cat. <laughs> yeah, that was proven yeah. wrong, and I think in episode eight or something, uh, episode four, <laughs> because Jackie went and listened to it, and because it was him trying to drink as many coarse tall, tall boys, boys as he yeah. could, and he kept saying like, "I ain't drunk." Meanwhile, if you, li- I don't even know if we should even recommend going and listening. No, to I think that we episode. were all heavily intoxicated. Um, but that was a part of when you listen to all that kind of stuff. It, I, it's it's hard to not like hear how young and dumb we were and how nothing touched us there was a video that got sent around from a show that used to be a part of when we were cave comedy radio a show called uh hard lonely and vicious i believe was done by peggy o'leary and she uh, posted this video of them uh just in, in the creek uh just it was just this comedy video and you just look everyone's face is just so young Right, right. Um, and everybody is just so, we were just joking how you look at the video and you're like, they don't, we don't have stress lines yet. Like, right. you don't have that fa- that face that happens over time. It was just like, f- just fresh, just like everyone had fucking day jobs and was just joking around. And I'm not saying it was better, but it was something about the the youthfulness of it and that uh, oh, it brings yeah. it all the way back. Well, you know, it was interesting because, of course, um, all of our, Friendships sort of sort of blossoming, blossoming, blossoming. Uh, ten years. Uh, it's been about ten years now, and so we still had a desire for small talk, and we still wanted to get to know people. And once you met Kevin, you're like, well, he's going to be a friend for life, um, just because of uh, how engaging he was with conversation. And uh, we also, in honor of him, yesterday we sat through about eight episodes of Naruto. Um, the anime. <laughs> so I think that Kevin would have liked that practical joke. Um, no idea why he was so into Naruto, but that's just the kind of guy he was. Looking like a stern grandfather at Naruto, being like, "Is this why we lost the war?" It's like a, but well, it's just bizarre is- because you know he would always he had so many different sides. So you could talk politics, you could talk sports, or you could talk like the nerdiest. Weird weirdest most outside their stuff i know naruto isn't that crazy but he just knew like he could have a teenage mutant ninja turtle reference um that's like right off the tip of his head and then he also as a kid don't forget if you listen to roundtable you'll know subscribe to horse illustrated because he loved horses (laughs) and so he was this kid in rural florida you know who just loved Horses and uh, and the and the wildlife and, and, the, and front and front flips when he was doing those flips. for a while and you could also just do front flips. We used to do a show called BKKB or KBBK Comedy Deathmatch. Oh yeah, and, that's right. Uh, I forgot about that. Do you remember it was at the DJ Academy? Yeah, where the, we did it at this this DJ Academy in New York where it was just <laughs> banks of DJ booths, DJ booths like yeah. around a corner, and it was like this is the saddest shit in the world because just dudes <laughs> like me on the class pictures just yeah. being like, I really know how to scratch them, y'all. You it, know? it was Scratch DJ Academy. We had a great. We had Jeff Ross and Reggie Watts were on our first show. Both yes. of them could not have been nicer. Reggie yeah. Watts watched the entire show, and if you're not in 
comedy, you don't quite understand how extremely rare that is yes. for a performer to watch other performers that he is better than. Um, but KB and I used to always do a, a physical challenge towards the end there, and uh, he would always win naturally. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just one of the greatest experiences of my life because you could say anything. Kevin was the greatest safety net when it comes to being on stage. Because oh, you yeah, could say was- anything, and he would he would roll with it. And even if you did look like the villain at the end of it, it was still just incredible. Yes, yes, very talented. And that was also yeah. the that was the night I first tried liquid THC. Reggie really? Watts oh, gave yeah, us right. all his supply of liquid THC, that's and we're right. like, that's why he stayed and watched because his feet <laughs> were two concrete blocks. Yes, uh, absolutely. It, but this is just. I mean, talk about the worst sort of left field news that ever happens. Uh, this kind, of, this kind of thing again, just shows kind of how tenuous our connection is to reality. I don't know if yeah. we'll see Kevin again. I don't know about that. How how it's supposed to go down? Or could but it's uh, him not being there is really sad. And a part mm-hmm. of it is that I like I think about our lives now where. It's nice how we've kind of like weaponized our friendships like towards our own like we figured out like going on tour, right? As much as we like we fucking love seeing the fans and we like doing all like doing live shows cuz it's so much fun, but it also gives us the opportunity to be like tell our significant others being like I've got to go get drunk with my friends in it's another city. Job. It's my job. It's a job. Somebody's and got to do it. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. And I miss having, it was like those built-in hours. And you think about yep. how, like, what we have now is Kevin's entire presence is is embedded in the hundreds of hours we have of him speaking, which right. is really nice. It's like that thing where it's like you realize over these years of, of talking in a round table together with somebody, you've now known someone for thousands of hours. You oh, are yeah. now, you have become family through being horrible monsters. Yeah. I mean, that is, you know, it is really, a, a, that is true. It's, it's great if you can wrap your friend, if you can monetize friendships, I guess. Um, <laughs> no, it's I just mean, nice that to really have the is excuse. Exactly, like, to I- hang out. It's, I mean, we really did. We were just having, it was like, uh, I, would, I would call it a boys club, but it's like an extra boys club because Jackie was involved. Because, yes. of course, when it comes to Jackie and Kevin, and she'll talk about Kevin on page seven, their relationship on Roundtable specifically was so freaking funny. <laughs> Yes. It was like incredible because yes. again, Jackie would just say like horrible like shit. Horrible and shit. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> the way that he would play with it was so. I mean, he never had a judgmental bone in his body. I remember we were out one night and I it took some. I had a couple of BLs and I was screaming at someone and it's not a big surprise. Um, what happened? I took some Molly out. The guy gave me a bag of it and I was like, and I was like, how much should I do? And he's like, do the whole thing. And I was like, all right. I went to the bathroom and I came back. He's like, where's the bag? I was like, I did the whole thing. God, and then he's like, God. hey, do you understand sarcasm? And then that, that night spiraled into, first of all, having to go to the bathroom immediately. I can't uh, imagine what then you Kevin, did to yourself. And then Kevin took me to this bar that was like, because he would go to this place called Tender Trap, which is like a super cool place. And he oh, yeah, the that's DJ. Right. And is Tender this- Trap still open? I'm not sure, but he loved that place. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm, I just remember screaming. And then at the end of the night, Kevin and I were in the car home, and I don't really remember much. And I woke up the next day, and I was like, Kevin, man, I feel kind of bad. Did I do anything wrong? He's like, I don't know, man. You angered some people, but I thought it was pretty funny. And then uh, the weirdest thing was we were like two blocks away from your house in the car, and then you just got out and started sprinting. So I don't know. And I was like, okay. And that was it. Like, and you know, he, he was just the most... 
He was just the most down dude, and he never. You never had to worry about if Kevin was gonna be mad at you or if he was gonna hate you the next day because he just never did. You know, but that's what made him the ultimate comic foible. He was like so good at looking at stuff in a perfunctory way, like in a plain way that also just comes out of fucking xenon, comes out of left field. He's got, he has such a weird ass sense of humor and it was, he was always just spot on and watching also someone genuinely love to bomb in a way that (laughs) was what made him successful. Like if you can figure out how to make the thing that is the worst thing that can happen to you as a performer, like literally the worst and flip it in your own the crude way of like, yeah. I like this. Oh my and this God. is actually what I'm going for. It was then you were always successful. And there was no one more fun because you know I'm a big fan of wrestling. And so I learned getting booed is extremely empowering. If you are in control <laughs> of like, I understand why you're booing me, and I did this on purpose. We used to do we did a roast together, and I wore a Make America Great Again hat. I did this whole character of like being a fucking psychopath. And uh, Kevin and I were just both just saying, just it was brutal. And the booze that we got, and we walked off stage, and we just laughed our asses off, and had well, so much fun. And it was how just, many times did he cast us as KKK members? That's in all various he cast sketches. you guys. I got cast as a cop in Friends of the People, and you guys were all Klansmen. Yes, <laughs> we were KKK Klansmen, and him just getting to say. And then I, I recently also just did. I mean, I don't know even legally how much I can talk about it, but I did his pilot for Comedy Central, right? I was one of the the cast, like one of the uh, uh, in his show, and the stuff that he would feed me to say, and you're just being like, you just want me on camera saying this shit. That's what this is about. This is like a psychological game that you want me to say fucking wicked shit. Like we were doing this scene, and he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this scene, um, yeah, yeah, it's. Call me, um, it's like uh, work Mandingo in there. And I was just like, I can just stop. I, I was like, I don't know if I can say this. I don't know ruin my career, here. Kevin. Um, no, it was, and you know, the fact is, um, and we're going to talk about this on the, all the other shows as well. And hopefully the, you know, a lot of people have been requesting a round table reunion. And I know that's just a small part of his life. And obviously, uh, it's just, you know, the round table will no longer be the same, but we're all going to get together, or it will no longer be. Well, um, I mean, to be honest, to be completely frank, uh, we were planning it. All of this is like, it was supposed to happen. It was yeah. going to be a big reveal. We were really excited for it. But we so, were going to figure out how to yeah. to quit and to have things fall apart is the exact opposite of uh, how things should go down. No. Like, we got it. It's all about grouping together and and working hard and continuing to put out content because yeah. that's all that motherfucker ever did. Kevin worked the, Kevin well, was the hardest worker out of all of us, which is the sleeper thing about Kevin, is how fucking hard he worked Kevin all works, the time. Kevin worked 13 hours a day. And you think, oh, it must be so fun. The entertainment industry must be a blast. It is a lot of... It's a desk job combined with like every other possible duty that you have to do you're in charge of an entire show you also Um, don't get the comforts of a desk job which means like the job lasts for a long time and you can be there and you can plan shit so it has all of the tenuous dumb shit about show business and it's also you have to get there at 9 a.m yep absolutely so um you know it's just a testament to who he was i'm just looking over now he's you know cnn obviously people magazine huff post i will say he made it to bbc BBC News. I mean, this is just a guy who came up 
um, you know, again, FSU, like all my boys over there in Florida, and he just worked so hard and he deserved better and he deserved a better, he deserved, he deserved to, um, be able to have his, to be able to celebrate the fruits of his labor. And it's just so sad that he was cut off so short that he couldn't really benefit from all the hard work that Henry mentioned, uh, you know, with all that hard work and he finally was going to be able to start. Maybe this year getting back on stage and and doing a couple of other things he wanted to do and and it's just uh, you never know. Thirty two years old. Um, I'll tell you what though, what a, he had a great a, friend. I will say about him, he definitely had a good time. Watching him live his life is kind of an inspiration about letting go and having fun and experiencing things and meeting people. He was always in the middle of it. He was always like out there like doing something crazy, like just kind of season life as, as hard as he could. And it was it was always nice to see. And he always being like, man, I got to like do more. Every time I, I hung out with him and talked with him. Uh, absolutely. And of course, he was always a great uh he was a very nice. He was a good. He was a good. Uh, yeah, and he was just funny when when Henry would say something like "Hail Satan," he'd be like, "No, nah, man!" Like he would talk about God, yes. and, <laughs> yeah, and yes. um, he yeah. would never. He never said that at the end of any shows. He would never say anything. About, he always. He always. He was a spiritual guy in his own right too, and I know that was uh, because of his mother Claudette Barnett. And who, if you get a chance to listen to those old episodes, his stories about his mother and the, the um, it, it, they're just our heartbreaks for the family. And I cannot even imagine how much uh, how much pain they're going through right now. So no. uh, go back and listen to the Roundtable of Gentlemen. Um, Talk and- about a trip, though, seeing Roundtable of Gentlemen on CNN. Oh, that's like, hilarious. In these articles. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're that's just like, so funny. I don't even know if you should be pumping this, no. this fucking hard. <laughs> like- <laughs> so funny. Well, they, maybe CNN can solve Poopgate. Uh, well, we already. I think that we could solve about it. And honestly, they have the whole twenty-four hour news cycle. Yeah, so they got a lot of hours to devote to it. Oh, and there's absolutely. no, there's no other news happening right now. So. No, nothing that matters. Nothing that matters. Um, so, what are we supposed to do now? Like, I, I think everyone's going to be talking about Kev for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> we wanted to just take this moment and uh, talk a little bit about him and what he meant to us because, I mean, I really don't know what else to talk about. We're we are uh, we're we want to perform for the people. So now, I guess, do you want to just get to what happens no. uh, when a man who is too large to shit? in a Chinese uh, airplane bathroom and he sort of makes takes the entire crew hostage? Yeah, I think that Kevin would actually love this story, so let's do it. Live <laughs> from your grave. All right, so the title of this article on one mile at a time, to our understanding, this is a legit article, and even if it's not, congratulations because it made us laugh. Um, EVA air passenger demanded crew wipe his butt and a lot more. <laughs> this is it's already okay. so hard to be an airline stewardess. In many ways, you you are just you're trapped with your customers 10,000 feet in the air. Just imagine a man demanding his butt be wiped like he's Eddie Murphy from coming to America. This is the information that was gleaned by this writer. They a lot of this comes from uh it's 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 news in Chinese. So no one really know like I don't know what it is and the author even says that like this is kind of like what it seems to boil down to. Okay. 2 hours and 30 minutes into a flight. And the flight was going from Seattle to Taipei and connecting in Bangkok. Okay. Two hours and 30 minutes into the flight, the passenger said that he needed to use the business class bathroom. He said he couldn't fit into the economy bathroom. You understand I totally this. understand this. The economy bathroom is 
it's it is a it's comically small and it is it's pure torture. What I was if you ever get a chance to be six foot seven, three hundred pounds trying to squeeze in there, um, it is you gotta sit to pee. That's all I'm gonna say. So you gotta say. And the man was two hundred kilograms, which is two. And if you do the math, he was four hundred and forty pounds. All right. Boy, right, definitely using the extended seat belt. I think that they needed an extended seat. He was a very big man, and it's a Chinese flight. The crew accommodated him, and three flight attendants, as well as the purser, assisted him to the bathroom. A minute after entering the lavatory, the passenger pushed the call button. When the flight attendant opened the door, his genitals were exposed, but his underwear was still on them on the back. He told them he needed to help take off his underwear, or he would just go in there. He sat down, and he spread his legs, exposing his genitals. They tried to close the door, but he objected, claiming he was having shortness of breath from claustrophobia. They needed to keep it open. The crew refused, but he kept the door unlocked. 50 minutes later, he said he was done. They opened the door to find him still sitting there with his pants at his ankles, saying the sentence, I'm done, you can wipe my butt now. The flight attendant objected. 15 15 minutes by air bathroom, that is like an hour and a half in the bathroom. It's quick. You got to get in and get out. Because you know the line's built up. Oh, yeah. The flight attendant objected, right? Then he berated her, saying she promised to do it, and since she promised, she needed to do it, or he would just sit on the toilet for the rest of the flight. <laughs> now, I don't think pinky swears necessarily no. work in this scenario, and I feel like you have to do the you have to do the pinky. Uh, abs- the crew obliged, realized they couldn't just leave them there the whole flight, so they threw a blanket oh, in man. front of him, which he refused. The purser wiped while the other flight attendants held his front. While the purser wiped. He allegedly says, mm, deeper, deeper. <laughs> this is, this man, <laughs> I don't know if he is some kind of like airplane royalty, but he is acting a lot like, he's like Queen Carlotta from Mortville, going back to what John Waters reference. He is like really acting like uh, the king here. What's his name? DJ Khaled? Yeah, he that's is. what it seems like. It seems like a hit. What's his uh, name, right? Mm, deeper, deeper. You know, it's not a good day when you're on a when you're on a flight and you're uh, having to be <laughs> oh, a yeah, nurse for this understand. man, and then you hear the words mm, deeper, mm, deeper, deeper, deeper. <laughs> um, so the eventually, ended up having to wipe on three separate occasions as the guy claimed she didn't do it correctly. He said, "You better have wiped me clean." Who are you? Why am I doing this for you? I I don't know because I would just I would have drowned him at this point. Yes, I'd be I like, I don't know what happened. You drowned in there. Out of order bathroom. Shut the door and let's see if he can get out. Eventually, the flight attendants just pulled his pants up, and even though he assisted they do it again, he threatened to faint if she didn't. The passenger was brought back to a seat, but later in the flight, he had to go again. No. So a different group of flight attendants did the same exact thing. So this is some guy's history, I guess, with this EVA Air flight. He also flew from L.A. to Bangkok via Taipei in May 2018, where he made a similar request, but flight attendants refused. So he went number two in his seat, and apparently the whole cabin smelled terrible for the rest of the flight, which I don't understand. All right, so this dude, this is not the first, nor does it sound like the last time he's going to pull off this, I guess, stunt. Um, At some point, you just got to say no more flying, right? I don't know, because he also pissed his pants on another flight, and on another flight, he asked a crew member to clean and change his diaper, and so he refused, so he shat and pissed into his diaper until it overflowed into his pants. This (laughs) man's a fucking terrorist. He sounds like nothing but trouble. He sounds like Bobo. 
This is this is unreal. <laughs> he is a poop terrorist. On another flight, he threatened to faint and make the crew's life worse if they didn't help him. On another flight, he spilled juice in his crotch area and demanded the crew wipe it up. They gave him napkins <laughs> to do it, but he said, "You can do better." He is also like so demeaning. He doesn't like nothing is ever good enough. This man is such oh, a—he's a tyrant. My God, he reminds me of the dude from uh, *Confederacy of Dunces*. Yes, he is a total Ignatius. Um, if you haven't read *Confederacy of Dunces*, uh, please do. So the union. So now people are like, okay, dude, this guy is on flights. Every time he takes a flight, something happens regarding fecal matter or or uh, urination. So the union is now demanding the following: the airline to help the flight attendant pursue legal remedies against the passenger, allow time off for flight attendants involved based on the video. They seem to be really disturbed by all this <laughs> yes. as they are crying. Yes. Oh my god, this is so. <laughs> Gross and sad. They're crying. They're weeping, wiping this 500 pound monster in a bathroom, in an airplane. It is hell on earth. So they're going to blacklist the passenger and improve the procedure for getting passengers blacklisted. Also, they're going to improve wheelchair handling so that something like this doesn't happen again. What Um, what a good idea, though, to fake faint like a possum. Oh, and so sure. they got to just deal with your body. I got to start because you remember when the guy went limp? When what was it in the United flight where the guy just like fell down? They had to lift him up out. It's a really good way to resist people because right. it's very difficult to pick up a fully limp human body. Oh, absolutely. So apparently, this is uh, the article continues here, and they're like, "Well, there might be two sides to this story, but I don't think this really makes uh, it what any you, better." What's the he other said, side? So he said, "Let's assume he was exposing his genitals because it's." only natural to take your underwear off if you're sitting on the toilet. And let's assume the deeper, deeper was an actual statement of wiping preferences <laughs> rather than something he found enjoyable or arousing. It doesn't matter. It, doesn't it is matter. so much. It's disgusting no matter what. Can you oh imagine the idea of their, their customer service goes so far as that they'd be like, technically it was just a note. Deeper, deeper. Deeper, deeper. Deeper uh, and deeper. I get it. I mean, because then it gets all the way up there. It's all the way up. The big thing is to you got to get wet wipes. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so we don't know what the guy's motives are. Um, this I know what his motives are. Is for <laughs> have a pretty young flight attendant touch his fucking asshole. I guess so. Um, apparently, he says he has attention. He wants attention from the young, pretty Asian flight attendants, or does he have some sort of butt wiping fetish? It's clear, no matter what, his expectations of the crew are unreasonable. So they are you, unreasonable. Yeah, because they can't... really are. They really. That's that's the way I would put it. <laughs> I'd say it's almost. It's oh, oh, what a kooky guy. What a kooky couple ideas he has unreasonable that is to say the least Jesus. um it's all like if he does have a he probably has some big baby fetish i don't know um but a flight is not the time to really be like let's get wild with it unless unless you're flying like kink.air or something like that uh, kink.air i don't <laughs> but, like that concept you know like i don't think that this is the place for you to be enacting all of your sexual fantasies and demanding they can, go deeper and deeper can you imagine that door opening <laughs> and that man with his dick out but the, the underwear is up above his butt and he's pulling it down and i'm going i'm done you can wipe my butt now. <laughs> oh like, you can just be, like, oh. that, that confidence. I have never oh had that God. kind of confidence in my life. The idea of being like, well, you can wipe my butt now. Like, you just, like, great, accidentally, you know, like, like it's, oh, my God. Well, I mean, he should be traveling with a caretaker. Obvi- I don't even see how, you know, it's hard. Those seats are tiny. 
I don't see how he even got on the plane in the first place. But nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, rough, rough day. And I don't feel so bad for asking for another. You know, if they they cut you off. You got you get free Jack Daniels now, and then they say you know no more Jack Daniels. You get about three or four of them. Now I don't feel bad asking for a fifth. I'm you're starting to sound like the you sort of sound like the alcoholic version of John Panette. <laughs> Four hour. Oh man. Um, all right. So that's that tale. Um, I feel bad for all the stewardesses who had to deal with that, and the stewards. Um, never let the man fly again. That's but what I, I guess said. a part of what's uh, on a plane. You got a captive fucking audience, that's for certain. Oh, yeah. And so they can't really go out of there. It's kind of like when on Always Sunny where they talk about like taking a date on a boat because they, you know, they'll sleep with you because of the implication, like all of that kind of shit where it's like you got nowhere to go. So maybe you think that like, well, this is where I can really test the waters yeah, of human like- interaction because if not, guess what, man? I'm going to joker this whole flight. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're going to wipe my butt because if not, this whole fucking this whole the group of passengers is going to wipe my butt. Absolutely, or sit in the, sit in the odor of his diaper. And also just the the sheer joker like ability to just being like I'll shit my pants. Oh yeah? Well, I'll just shit my pants. Like I do. he's the, like he's a skunk. Well, you know he's full of it at all times. You're 450 pounds. You got a lot of you got a lot of duke in there. He's hey, a loaded man. weapon. He's I'm 170 ready. pounds, and I fucking got a lot of yep. milk in there. Always ready to rock and roll. Uh, when we were on a flight, I forget where we were going to. Maybe it was the the one to Indianapolis. The toilet did not work, and oh uh, a woman went in, and she didn't realize it doesn't wor- or didn't work until she was done, and uh, then it didn't flush. And she must have done something bad in there because oh the entire God. flight, the stewardess was trying to figure out a way to get the water back in there, but the pressure does come back once you reach 10,000 feet. Whoa. It just flushes it right down, just automatically. <laughs> it's still but just I don't like... know, but the woman, the woman's face, I was like, oh my God, you just dropped like a mad, mad something in there because she was so embarrassed. I know that face. It's a weird sort of like, it's like a lost face because how many times like I'll go to the bathroom on a plane and like a, maybe, you know, larger than average older woman comes out of there and she has like a curt little smile on being like, your turn. And then you like go, and she kind of looks like she's lost. Like, I don't know how I even got to this bathroom or what happened in there. And then you go in there and it was like Dom <laughs> DeLuise just oh, yeah, took dude. a fucking meatball sub inside the fucking toilet. Just being like, how does that come out, you old lady? Yep. You never want to follow anyone over the age of 60 in the bathroom. They don't care any longer. And they just, they eat so much flax and they have their system going on like a next level. It's yeah, nasty. but little they know, I'm walking in there and I'm batting cleanup. You got all old right. Henry Aaron of the toilet fucking sidling up, hey, ready right. to That's take another... his moment in the sun, ready for the spotlight. That is a second baseball reference. Look at hey. that. Hey, man, not bad. I'm growing. I'm trying to be more of a man. It's Hank, Hank Aaron, Henry Aaron. Um, all right. Well, let's do one more story here. Um, yeah, we got to talk about more of these horrible shit. We want to talk about this. Uh, this guy, Alexander do, Barter. Yeah, let's do this, dude. Okay, so this story is truly disgusting. Thankfully, um, nothing actually. Thankfully, they got this guy uh, before he could do anything. A Texas man arrested after allegedly plotting to murder and cannibalize an underage girl. If you get a chance, take a look at this man. Speaking of confused, uh, he looks. He looks like twenty-one-year-old Alex Barter. He looks plays- like a David Arquette character. 
He really, honestly, he really does. 21 year after, after a uh, extreme fighting match or a wrestling match, 21 year old Alex, uh, Alexander Barter placed a post on the dark web for someone to let him perform unspeakable, unspeakable crimes on them. But the person who answered was an undercover agent. It always is. It's always an undercover it agent. Is. Um, thank God. Uh, so, a 21 year old dude, he's now behind bars for an undercover sting. He's planning to uh, do horrible things and eat a young man's daughter. Uh, Alexander Barter was arrested after engaging in a series of email conversations with an undercover agent with the Texas Department of Public Safety on the dark web. He was charged with criminal solicitation, criminal attempt to capital murder, conspiracy to commit capital murder, and criminal attempt at a sexual performance of a child. Barter and uh, and the agent first began communicating after the agent posted... Answered a post Barter placed on the dark web for people who would uh, who would be interested in letting him commit necrophilia and cannibalism on them. I I just um you know is it I feel like there's more light on the dark web now. I think that you used to be able to get like that would just be like that's a wild little thing like Cannibal Cop. I don't know if you remember yeah. that story. Yes, but now I, I'm does the dark web even really exist anymore? Because isn't it like the FBI is on this stuff? I hope so. The FBI is on this stuff. The dark web is just simply the encrypted web, right? You have to have, you have to probably have a computer that runs Linux. It's an entirely different browser system. You have a, basically you log in because imagine the internet, what you see, even Google and all that shit, everything that's openly public to the internet, it's like 10%. It's like an iceberg tip sticking out above the water and underneath it is the rest of the encrypted internet. The internet can go on and on and on forever. It's completely yep. infinite, but the the dark web is interesting because it is a series. There are like there are legit websites. There's also shit that's just more closer to like the bulletin board system of like 4chan, where just people post. I don't know where the hell this guy does. Can you imagine being the FBI officer whose job it is to just answer these emails all day? Because oh, part it's... of it is like you're trying to discern whether or not this is just a protracted fantasy, or if he really has the stuff to do it, or sort of kind of, I mean, in a way, kind of like the way they deal with terrorism, kind of like encourage it a little bit. Because this guy, the way that they, they, they talk about it, so first of all, you're these just making emails. a post saying, I'm looking for a kid to uh, to murder and then eat. Yeah, and then basically. you just get an email from somebody who's like, yeah, sure. That, yeah, I got one. Yeah, 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 you want to talk about it? So according to this, the undercover agent claimed to be an interested party, and he offered up his daughter for Barter's oh, desires. So gross. In one of the emails, Ben Barter allegedly responded, nice, I'm in East Texas. How old's your daughter? Can we kill her? It's and nice he with on- an exclamation mark, by the way. Like, nice. 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 And then he went on to list horrific things that he wished he could do to the girl before and after he killed her. And over the course of several days, Barter and the agent constructed a plan to meet up for a hiking trip. And they would take the daughter to a hotel where she would be assaulted, murdered, and eaten. And he's like, I'm not going to change my mind about this, Barter wrote on October 15th. I really want to do this. As part of their plan, Barter told the father to buy a burner phone and new clothes to wear after they killed his daughter. Once they killed her, Barter told the agent that he should simply return home to Bavard County and say that his daughter had run away from home. Uh-huh. But then they they just fucking, they got him. Right, they, so they, they set fucking all this went, up. They saw they, him, they, they had a plastic trash bag and a knife. So right. he had, so then they kind of pieced it all together. They, they sort of like, <laughs> they built it up a little bit. They definitely, well, you know, of course, well, they like need encouraged. to do things, they need to do things 
um, that prove that he's serious. So they got the burner phone. They went through the steps just so they can be like, this dude was seriously going to go over uh, and do this. It was going to happen. So um, when Barter stopped, uh, stopped outside of his house on October 19th to go meet with the father and daughter, law enforcement agents swarmed him. In his hands, Barter had a plastic trash bag, as, as Henry said, a knife. Uh, Barter reportedly folded quickly when he was seized by law enforcement and admitted to writing the emails. And uh, this man does not need to be out in public. So uh, congratulations on uh, getting this guy before anything bad happened. Um, it is it is so scary. It's so ch- uh, chilling to think that it's possible. Tell me, this is a little interesting because mostly just because I don't want to go all the way through it if you think maybe your daughter wouldn't be tasty. Um, do, do you maybe feed her a series of foods to make her meat more succulent and flaming? Um, but I, I will say the one thing is I'm kind of on the fence about the dark net and all this kind of shit because I do feel like stories like this help it be maligned. And obviously there's a lot of talk about child pornography and guns and drugs being purchased in the dark web. But a part of it, I think though, is that dark web is very easily villainized because the dark web could be the last bastion for freedom of speech if all the shit goes down. That is the other. That's all. Well, thing I don't to remember. think anyone's thinking about shutting it down. I think they're they just more trying down. to catch catch people who want to eat children. I don't. I know? think that that's a good thing. Yeah, that's, I that's think that's thing. a good thing. I am just saying the dark net, quote unquote, even as the term or dark net or dark web makes it sound really sinister. But mostly, it's just this concept of at some point. If there was ever, I mean, we're in the middle of fucking researching Dr. Mengele and Auschwitz, which was also made this week fucking uh, really fun. But then when you think about the idea of a, a totalitarian government, like, slowly gaining control over the country, and then it might be, at some point, free speech would be severely limited, especially on the trackable internet, and maybe the dark web would be where you'd go to actually be able to express yourself. Could be, or you're just talking to all FBI agents. I mean, which I do lonely. think they are. Um, all right, finally, we'll just do a quick story here. This is, uh, let's go to Canada. We always like going to Canada. Uh, thanks for all the uh, great responses to our Mark Twitchell episodes. Um, oh my God. So this is a uh, this is a kind of a lighthearted story. It's such a Canadian carjacking. It's ridiculous. Gun wielding carjacker offers Albertan her lunch and phone before apologizing and fleeing crash scene. This was in Springbrook. A woman experienced the most Canadian carjacking of all time. Uh, the woman was on her way to work driving near Red Deer Airport uh, when she came across a collision between a pickup and a school bus. One of the drivers was standing on the road, so the woman stopped to go out and see if he needed any help. At first, the man didn't respond. She asked again and that's when he turned further and i saw he had a bandana over his face the woman said uh he didn't say anything he just kind of groaned and started walking toward my vehicle that is horrifying (laughs) at that point i knew something was definitely not okay so i asked him what are you doing and i started to run back towards my vehicle and he started running then he pulled out a gun all right so i just stopped and put my hands uh up and was like it's yours the man then stole the woman's vehicle, uh, but not before asking a couple of questions. He asked if she had any children in the back of the vehicle. She said no. Uh, then he asked if there was anything I needed, like my phone, and I said yes. If you're going to leave me uh, in the middle of a gravel road, I would appreciate my phone. So he gave me my phone, my purse, and my lunch bag before stealing the car. So he gave her those three things. I guess that's I guess that's <laughs> I can, nice. I that's don't know. Nice. That's nice. I mean, he was just taking what he needed. 
That was what's important. He was taking what he needed. That's a part of it that you kind of think about that. Like we did an episode about, uh, we did a story about somebody uh, getting uh, locked inside the donation booth. Remember we were talking about that and they died. And then someone, uh, we had a a listener also say the the illuminating other side of the story is it's really unfortunate that these people go to these links to get free stuff that they it's, oh, yeah. that they they come out of need too. So this person goes, it's like he does all this shit. There's obviously a person in some form of trouble. No, and and the thing about a donation bin, it's it's just rarely are you going to get the best stuff. Yes. You know, that's everyone knows it's the canned corn and then like the toy that like I don't know, it's technically a toy, so you buy it and then you throw it in there. When we were doing uh, the drive, and we did it for this time too, for my friend's place, and all the stuff, when we've been working for my friend's place, that uh, charitable organization here in Los Angeles, um, they really specifically search for high quality stuff because they are dressing teenagers. So a part of it is this kind of concept of being like, if we could get good stuff for them to wear so they don't feel embarrassed, it's not always the bit that you used to do millions of years ago about the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl dynasty that oh, the, yeah. uh, the, the people in Africa realized. You know what I mean? Like they thought. Or- was real because they got all the the throwaway shirts yeah um yeah um so anyway so this person said um so they said so uh he said thank you for returning her things uh and then he said i'm sorry and i said that's fine i guess it's just a reaction because he was stealing my car and it had a gun in my face (laughs) so uh, the guy says i'm it's such a canadian car jacket and uh, apparently this is a string of incidents. The carjacking was part of a string of incidents. Police have began uh, to investigate a week earlier. On January 15th, two men stole a Ford F3, uh, F-350, broke into a fountain tire in Drumheller. I have no idea what a fountain tire is. I, I using know. the truck to ram through a service bay door where they stole another truck. So there is a, there's something there. It's gone in like 19, it's gone in like 98 seconds. Yes. Basically, it's Canadian yes. gone in 60 seconds, but they're just a little slower. A little, a little slower, nicer. a little bit more like, well, there's no reason to rush. Well, oh, well, we should just kind of, we can ease it out. You don't want to peel out because these are new tires on here and I ain't made a tire money. No. So uh, when it comes to the stealing out of this uh, fountain tire, he said, my assistant saw it on his, uh, saw it all on his cell phone through the video cameras we have on the site. Uh, and then this is according to Joanna Hodgson's owner and manager of Fountain Tire. She said, it was a little alarming for sure. Um, so there you go. Indeed, a little Holy alarming. Mackerel. Holy mackerel. Um, we got gas stolen in Delburn. A few hours later, the same oh, truck what? was spotted in a business in Delburn. Uh, where a man was to, trying to steal gas. I think we need to send <laughs> troops into Canada to stabilize them. <laughs> I think that's that is the lesson to be taken. From but here. it's also serious because he drove away in the truck, but before leaving the area, he fired some shots. Everyone is the man who reported it to us thought there was at least three shots fired. Uh, there were no for, no further incidents, and there's no suspects yet. Um, so my goodness, <laughs> I mean, somebody is having a blast. And it seems like they're probably going to have to get caught at some point. I think at some point they're going to end up, uh, it's going to catch up to them. All this fun that they're having. Yes, absolutely. Um, Oh, man. Anyway. So those are just a couple of disgusting stories, uh, really. It's (laughs) nice to share them. (laughs) I guess so. I'm Um, Yeah, You can wipe me now. Oh, deeper, deeper. (laughs) So disgusting. Um, all right, everyone. Well, you know, it's a sad week here at LPN and for everyone. 
um, that that is a part of the LPN family. So thank you all so much for listening. And even if we have differences, sometimes it's all good. You know, we're just going uh, on this little ride together. So life is short. Life is short. None of this stuff really matters at the end of the day. And we just have to be nice to each other. We got to connect to our friends. We got to connect to our friends. We got to let people know that you care about them. You always say like, you know, how many people I have in my own life are being like, I got to like make sure I tell him like or her like, you know, like fucking I love you. Like I, 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 I miss you. I, I, it's, it's never too late to reach out. Right. Um, so make sure you do that with the friends in your life. And of course, be nice to each other on the social media stuff. And just try to if you get a chance to. Maybe get a get some of your favorite KB clips. Feel free to put them on social media and stuff well, I know like that, that Ed Larson posted to the Roundtable Gentleman Facebook page. There's a bunch of uh, Kevin's favorite quotes that are going up there that have, people have been submitting, which is really nice. And I think we're going to do a little special for him yeah. coming out soon too. Uh, and we're just going to be keeping him in our thoughts and keeping him alive that's uh, it. forever because that's the. I mean, he doesn't go anywhere because I remember him. That's right. Um, All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. And seriously, hail yourselves. Laugh if you can when you got them. Laugh laugh them if you got them. Laugh them if you got them. Love them if you got them. Uh-huh. And, you know, live them as if you won't be very soon. Absolutely. That is intense. Well, we that is will. intense. I'm, I am hungover. All right, let's just go. Like, oh, yeah. We, we were pretty hungover. Absolutely. No, and it's it's funny cuz we were all hanging out for about 10 hours um you know and you 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 start to go through all the processes of mourning and at some point you just start thinking of friends you wish it was yeah, as opposed yes. to Kevin and then you're just to be like who who did it, who should it have been and then the Who's expendable? Yeah. <laughs> and then the conversation is just like this got really dark but yes. Why well, that's a it- perfect example. That person could go. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, hail well. Satan. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. Take care of yourselves. We love you. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you all very soon. Hail me. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.